You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to your favorite hour of the week. It's the Arrowhead Pride Preview Podcast. My name is Pete Sweeney and I'm here with the player, Sean Barber, and of course the blog father, Joel Thorman. Guys, what's going on? Oh man, 4-0 baby, 4-0, undefeated. Feels good, feels good. That's right, now the Chiefs are the consensus best team in the league. Check any power rankings this week. And the Chiefs were at the top, the only undefeated team left. They got the Houston Texans this weekend. Sunday night football, Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels on the call. But before we get into that game, as we do every week, I want to know what you guys learned about the Chiefs last week against the Washington Redskins. And Sean, I'll start with you. I learned that the Chiefs can take a punch. Uh, it was some great decleating hits uh, dished out by the Washington Redskins. Um, Norman, on Kelsey, um, later on, one of the safeties hit, um, hit uh, Wilson on that reverse play. Um, I thought the Redskins started out as a more physical team, and I thought it was going to be a nightmare for the second half. Chiefs got in the locker room, decided to make it a, a bar fight, and they battered themselves back and won the game. For me, it, it, that game made me realize like how high my expectations are for the Chiefs this year. You know, when when Alex and the offense got the ball back with like 50 seconds, I wasn't like usually I'm pretty nervous by that point, thinking they could go to overtime and lose, but it just seemed like. Like it was, it was destiny that they were going to drive down the field. He was going to make a play. They were going to get into field goal range. Like I wasn't that nervous about it. I think because of how well they played, and that's kind of a new feeling, right? I, I look, I look at this game, especially at the beginning, and when you see LDT go down, and immediately after, it was trouble for the offensive line. I kind of was starting to think, okay, this is the un- end of the undefeated streak in the first half. But they were able to make adjustments in game. It's not only adjustments week by week with this team it's man we can lose a guy or two and still figure out how to win in game and they were able to beat a Redskins team who I thought was pretty good yeah that defensive front uh, like I said that first half they started out well the whole defense did they kind of got hit by the injury bug throughout the game um, it was a war a war of attrition and the Redskins lost that one um, we stayed even though we lost uh, LDT um, overall I think we ended up being the more healthier team I think we finished the fourth quarter and I think that's when we um, you know won the game Big question this week. Did anyone go and visit buttkicker.com? Or? Uh, it's actually not a real website. <laughs> I actually did go look up. I looked that up, and Pete had a good one on Instagram, buttkicker.com slash game winner. That's right. That's well, that, right. That's, that's what the page the is. Arrowhead, Arrowhead Pride Instagram. Harrison Butker, first game. You don't get a lot of opportunities to kick one through the uprights to win. And ice in his veins. There was no problem with that. Especially after missing the first one, right? You know, he misses the first one kind of like – resembling when um, when Hunt fumbled the first ball. 
Andy goes right back to him. When it's time to kick that next field goal, Andy goes right back to him. And he credited Dave Tope for calming him down after that first miss. And, I mean, you know, you're a kid. This is your your opportunity. Things can really, you know, the wheels could really fall off the wagon in that situation. Still able to make that big kick. Dave Tope chose him. That means that means he's the right guy for the job. That's you know, like like I said last week, that's the extent of my kicker analysis. If Dave Tobe signs off, like the kid's gonna be all right. So I I think he'll end up being okay. Goes back to in Tobe, we trust. I, absolutely. Now I want to get into some news this week. There's been a lot of news surrounding Marcus Peters. Uh, I think we all know that it wasn't the greatest game that he played, and that's something we don't say about Marcus Peters a lot. But he was caught on camera saying something to a fan. There was a kind of a weird post-game press conference that had some profanity in it, finished with him saying that he was going to get loaded. So Andy Reid addressed that this week. I got asked about the Marcus situation. I'm sure I'll be asked about it uh, today. So I'm going to answer it before you ask and uh, expect that um, I won't be asked because this is, this is the answer. So um, obviously yeah, I had a chance to see what took place. And... Um, and we, you know, we can't go in that direction. So it's been addressed. Um, I, I, listen, I love the, the compete and the kid, and um, I appreciate his work ethic and everything else. But as professionals, you know, that's not something that, that we want to take place. Sean, what have you made of this situation? I mean, Andy said it best, man. Um, he got out in front of it, and I think that's what a coach does. He gets out in front of it and says, hey, you know, I know this is coming up, so let's not even uh, – I ain't going to make you all ask me it five different ways. This is the statement I'm making, and I'm going to stick to it no matter how many times you ask it. He, we've been down that road before. Reporters asking things uh, several times until he says, hey, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get any more out of me. So he, he said what he's going to say. He made the statement. He said, I mean, he loves Peter's competition. He loves the way he competes. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, he, he acknowledges that goes a little bit too far. And as a professional, he's got to get better at that. But he still realizes he's a young kid. For what it's worth, Andy Reid was asked about it again, and he wouldn't budge. Just yeah. stuck with the first statement. <laughs> Just like Kelsey. I'm, I was more interested in how firm Andy was going to be out and getting ahead of this, uh, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I forget that these players, they're 24. You know, right. like like Marcus Peters is 24 years old. So in the heat of the moment on national TV in a major game, you know, sometimes your emotions get the best of you. I mean, I think this was a pretty minor offense on both ends. You know, as long as he continues to perform, I'm not that worried about it. Right. I, I think you can easily freak out about this or you could treat it for what it was. And that's Twitter what, does freak out about it. I know. And that's, that's why that's why we log in. <laughs> yes. Uh, Twitter freaks out about everything. But I, I, I think... Yeah, he's a young kid. He had a bad game, probably got something said to him in the wrong moment, said something to the crowd, and then really didn't want to hear it from reporters. And, you know, this is kind of who Marcus Peters is. You don't want to see this every week, but you understand when it happens once or twice, just like we understand when Kelsey takes a taunting penalty once or twice, something you don't want to see every week. But things like this happen. And, uh, you, you know, with the, the type of player that Marcus Peters is, I expect a rebound week oh, yeah. this week. I don't, I don't see him having two bad games in a row. Again, that's why we watch the games, and we'll see what happens on Sunday Night Football. I want to get into the injury watch for this team. Looks like Mitch Morse and D. Ford won't play again. Probably the same, I would assume, for LDT, who left last game early. So what do we think of the replacements of Frank Zombo and Jordan Devy um, going up, A, against the Redskins, and then B, in this Sunday against the Texans? Sean? 
Well, you know, we saw number 48 getting there a little bit at the end of the game. Um, he did some great things, um, dropped in the coverage a few times. I think he's actually better as a cover guy than Zombo. Um, but when it comes to getting after the passer, I mean, Zombo gets after it just as good as D Ford. Um, he doesn't have that top-end speed. He's not as explosive off the line, but it's being, I think he's a little bit more solid against the run. And the one thing we know about Watson is we kind of we got to keep him in the pocket. It's not about getting to him immediately as as much as staying in front of him, um, so he can't split the you know split the alleys and get up the field. So uh, I'm comfortable with Zom, uh, Zombo being there in front of D Ford and D Ford and Mitch and LTD all taking the week off, getting healthy again. I think we, we're going to see a lot of what we saw last week. We're going to see the Texans moving the ball. Aren't you a little bit worried about D Ford though? This is now the second week in a row, and it doesn't seem like. There has been any progress, at least that we've seen on the injury report. I mean, if if we weren't deep in that position, I'd be worried. But overall, like, am I, you know, I we would, love Frank the Tank. I mean, just, just <laughs> say, say for what you're it a zombie guy. I'm a zombie guy. I'm a zombie. You know, as long as we like remember that there's more to an outside linebacker's job than just rushing the passer, right? You know, I think Zombo's a competent replacement for a couple of games. I do think you miss some of the explosion that you might get from D Ford at times. And I agree with Sean that Zombo's probably a little better against the run. So, yeah, I mean, if it's just for a, a couple of games here, which I'm assuming until somebody tells me otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he's he's can do well enough there. As far as Jordan Devy replacing LDT, that hasn't been confirmed yet. Andy Reid said they'd be trying different looks this week, but... He, re- he was able to clean it up in the second half against the Redskins. I mean, I do worry. I mean, this is J.J. Watt we're talking about, and he is a really tough player to block. So, wow, what a test and maybe your first real start. Yeah, you're missing essentially your like entire interior offensive line. Even Brian Witzman has been the starter there for five weeks. Right. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a problem. I think it'll come up during the game just like it did against the Redskins. Like until they adjusted, you know, uh, Alex was certainly getting pressure too much back there. So I don't expect it to be worlds better this game just because the Texans defensive front is so good. Like they're going to win this battle. I think it'll come down to Andy scheming his way out of this one. Yeah, the, the Redskins and Eagles both had outstanding defensive tackles and they definitely uh, challenged our interior three. And even with, with the Patriots, even though their defense hasn't been playing well overall, their defensive tackles actually were pretty good. So we faced solid defensive interior guys every week, and our guys have come out, to me, kind of kind of smelling like roses. I mean, they've done a great job of uh, masking or covering up for the guys that are new in there or trying to get you know acclimated to their, their roles. And they've been doing some really creative things, especially in the second half with the blocking scheme of um, really scheming things up to take advantage of some things the other team is doing on defense. Yeah. I mean, listen, they're well coached and that's something we can't argue. They've had a lot of success these past few years. I do want to mention Alex Smith popped up on the injury report this week with an ankle, but still participated fully. Still something to watch because this is the quarterback of your team. And when he pops him in the injury report, you know, there was some kind of treatment involved. Next time he runs for 30 yards, he'll step out of bounds. Yeah. (laughs) And he's been, I mean, he's gotten a few good licks this season. Uh, he I hasn't mean, showed up on the injury report. Like there was the, I think it was the Eagles game. Old, he, I'm telling you, old Alex Smith maybe goes out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> but this, as I've been saying, is new Alex Smith, the effort Alex Smith. A little bit of effort. He says, you know what, I'll take your hit. It was a little bit of the old Alex Smith with the way he was running on Monday night, which I thought was a nice little addition. That's, you know, you get, you get 50, 60 yards out of your quarterback. You know, that's, that's a nice little bonus. Yeah, DJ Swander, he was flying around the field, man. That guy was, I mean, he, like when I say he was going to be the next Eric Berry, I mean, he's definitely uh, one of the top safeties in the league the way he flies around. I think what's cool about this upcoming game, and we'll get more into it in the next segment, is 
both of these quarterbacks are a little bit mobile. You don't really know what's going to happen when it comes to these teams on offense. And it should be exciting on both sides of the football because Deshaun Watson probably just as fast as Alex Smith. So uh, we'll get into that more in the next segment. I want to get into storylines for this game. And, of course, you can't get into storylines without the Sunday night football theme. Nice. We said it about Monday Night Football with the John Gruden call of the game. Similar feeling when it's Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels calling the game. Yeah, it, that always feels like a big game to me. To me, this is the number one uh, broadcast team. NBC does it better than I think any channel. This is my favorite football slot of the week. Sean, uh, what's your feeling on Sunday Night Football? Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think this is the first time I actually paid attention to the music. <laughs> <laughs> All these different musical things of the different nights, and I think this is the first time I actually can recognize that is actually Sunday Night Football. Again, primetime TV, you're the only game going. All your peers will be watching, so you're going to get everybody's best effort. I mean, anytime you're playing primetime, that's no time to be hiding in the locker room. Something to note with that is the other night, because you're on Monday Night Football, you have Todd Gurley tweeting, it's fourth quarter Kareem Hunt time. Yeah. You know, there's cooler things yeah. like that when you're the only game on TV. Definitely. I want to get into Alex Smith's comments this week because this is a these are two teams who have now played each other quite a few times in the recent years. One included that playoff stomping two years ago, thirty to nothing Chiefs. So Alex Smith was asked this week, "Is this a rivalry game?" And really, it's a good question. Yeah, there's a lot of history. Yeah, no, no doubt, a lot of history uh, between us. And anytime you, anytime you have that, uh, there's there there will be that there. I mean, we've. And, and uh, both sides have, have been on top, you know, gotten the best of each other. And, and uh, they've always been really physical games, uh, really, you know, tough fights. So I, I expect this to be no different. So you had two years ago the week one win. That was the first play of Marcus Peters' career where he had the interception off Hoyer. That was a 27-20 win. They met, met him again in the postseason, and it was the 30 nothing stomping. Niall Davis with the opening kickoff, and the Chiefs never looked back. And then last year, the Texans got a little bit of revenge when they won an early game, week two, 19-12. This is the fourth meeting now and in recent history, and I understand it's not a division rival, but, Sean, even though sometimes you're not in the same division, if you're playing the team enough, it could become a rival. Well, you know, Texans, that's one of my old teams, so, I mean, it's, that's kind of the uh, recurring theme here early in the season, uh, playing Sean's old teams. <laughs> I think uh, three of the five teams have been... Uh, that's what the schedule maker had in mind yeah. when he was making this Sean Barber Bowl. It's made it a uh, rivalry after rivalry each game, but I think the Houston uh, matchup is definitely a rivalry because it seemed like we're kind of um, aiming for that same playoff spot year after year after year. You know, they're dominating the AFC South, um, hopefully, we're going to continue to dominate the AFC West. And, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, two forces kind of meeting the clash of titans. So every time we get to play them, it's kind of a preview to what's coming for the postseason. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a rivalry, not a huge one. I think there are probably like short-term rivalries, you know, over a few years uh, where for whatever reason you're matching up regularly. Like if the Bills and Chiefs were good over the past like yeah. eight years, they played every year. So that would be the same thing. So, yeah, I think it's a rivalry for right now, but it's not like – it's not like the Raiders or Broncos where it's going to be forever. I think it would feel bigger if the Chiefs hadn't lost to them in that weird game last year, 19-12. That's, that's a gross score. If the Chiefs, 19-12. Right, right. If the Chiefs had won now three times in a row and they come in undefeated in your own building, I think it's more of a storyline. But because the Texans got that little blip, that little win, it just doesn't feel as bigger to me. That said, I think every week now 
as long as the Chiefs keep winning, is going to be a big week because every team is going to be trying to knock off the undefeated team. And let's also let's pay, play respect to history because the Chiefs did start out down in, in, in the Texans, right? That was the original team. It was the Houston Texans team before we came up here to be the Kansas City Chiefs. The Dal- well, the Dallas Texans. Dallas, Texans. still Texas for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, that's a decent point as well. So, yeah. Somewhat of a rivalry game. I'll give you. I'll give you like maybe a five on the ten scale of, of, as far as rivalry, but it should be fun no matter what. When we come back on this podcast, we'll talk about the X's and O's. What's going to happen between the white lines of this game? Stay with us. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber, Joel Thorman. We're talking Sunday night football. Kansas City Chiefs traveling down to Houston to play the Texans. Chiefs looking to stay undefeated through five weeks of the year. What is it, 2013 again? All right, here we go. We're talking about the Chiefs offense versus the Houston defense. And here are Alex Smith's words this week on the Houston defense. You know, good across the board, but certainly starts up front. I mean, one of the best D lines in football. Uh, a couple of the most disruptive guys uh, in football uh, up there. And then they're just good. I mean, they're good at the linebacker position. They're really, really good in the secondary. Veteran, you know, they're, they're well coached. They play together, physical. So, and then you throw throw on the road at, with, with the noise. Um, yeah, I mean, they're tough. Really, really, really tough. We obviously played them a lot, a lot of history. So, uh, I guess, we, you know, we know what we're getting into. I mean, you got J.J. Watt probably the most popular player, regrettably, in the National Football League. you got Jadavian Clowney has got a couple sacks this year, Whitney Merciless. What do you make of this Texans front seven? I mean, you started it right. With those three up front, uh, the D-line is, is, is something to be reckoned with. Uh, but I think the strength of the team is the cornerback position with Joseph and Jackson. Uh, those team, those, both of those guys are like nets. They love to be up in your face. They love to play that covered five, you know, t- uh, man underneath with two deep. They love to get themselves in trail positions and stay between the ball and the man. And if you don't have guys that can stretch the field, then they'll be a nightmare. Fortunately for the Chiefs, we have a guy, Tyreek Hill, who I don't think either one of those guys can match up with as far as down the field speed. So it's going to always have to be a safety kind of leaning to a side, another uh, kind of man-in-the-half type technique. But with the defense, where I see that defense is being weak is at the linebacker position. So I don't agree with, with Alex Smith about their linebackers. I think their linebackers are stiff. I don't, I don't think they play the run or pass really well. And then the safety position, I think Kelsey can definitely expose number 29. Well, my analysis is not as good as that. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that the Chiefs kind of know what they're going to get with Houston. Like, they know the pressure's coming. They know Clowney is a great run defender. So, you know, for me, like, I want to see how they respond to that, how they, you know, scheme differently. I think it'll look similar to, like, the Eagles and Redskins game where the Chiefs took, like, a half trying to figure out how to block that front. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think it, it turning into, like, a similar blueprint. Yeah, and we've joked before about Eric Fisher versus J.J. Watt. This is a guy that's coming off somewhat of an injury. I wonder how much that affects him. You hope it's completely better at this point. In the back last week, we weren't even sure if he was going to play, but this is going to be a tough task. So you hope he's completely healthy. I got to be honest, I'm worried about Jordan Devy. <laughs> against yeah. his front seven. I, I mean, I just think it's going to be trouble. And, and, and 
you know, you can't really read into these things, but the fact that Andy Reid wasn't even 100% sure that he's going to play, I mean, that could be a little bit of, of gamesmanship a little bit. But still, I mean, isn't that a little bit of a worry? I'm just telling you, I'm not worried about that, man. I think that's more coach speak. I mean, you definitely want to, you know, you don't want to tilt your hat and you don't want to show them, you know, show your hand to the other team. But I think I think Coach Reed feels very comfortable about, you know, our line about six or seven deep. I think he's done that during training camp, rotating guys in multiple positions. He feels so good about uh, Zach attack, being able to back up everybody that he was able to move guys from left to right. He'll be in at center again this he'll week. He'll be in at center a week. So, I mean – I mean, Eric Fisher against J.J. Watt, uh, J.J.'s, you know, finger problem, back problem, and he still first play of the game against the Titans, bat down balls. He moves to the interior, exterior, he's, he's all over the place. So uh, unlike our defense, their, their defensive front moves and multiplies and goes different places, so you can't really account for them when you call a play. You have to know how to block multiple fronts when you go up to the line. Our defense is pretty much you know where you're going. everybody's going to be at, and, and you still can't really stop our defense. That's why I have so much more confidence in the way we play ball on defense than anybody else who does this multi-front, multiple-scheme type thing, trying to scheme other offenses up to – I mean, scheming up trying to take advantage of certain players. You never know how the offense is going to block the ball, so sometimes that doesn't work. We'll get to the Chiefs' defense. I do want to get into some more of what they plan to do against this Houston offense that's suddenly one of the best offenses in the league, at least it looks like. But I want to talk about something I heard yesterday from Texans head coach – Bill O'Brien had some really nice words to say about Alex Smith. He, well, I learned, I think one of the keys in this league is whether you're a coach or a player is, uh, is resiliency, you know, and being able to understand that, you know, sometimes whether it's a fit or it's injury or maybe it's your own, you know, your own mistakes, whatever it is, it's all about, if, if you look through the history of this league, the most successful people have been through tough times, players and coaches. Anybody that's been, had true success in this league has been through tough times. And that's kind of what this league's all about. Can you pick yourself back up? And that's what Alex has done. And I think he's found a great match in Andy Reid. He's a very smart player. He's a very efficient player. He can run. He's, he's, a, he's a really hard guy to get ready for because of his combination of his intelligence, his passing ability, and, and his ability to run. So it's a big challenge. You're looking at the president of the new Alex fan club, Bill O'Brien, as the secretary, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he is kind of a hard guy to get ready for. I think that's, you know, within, like, the scope of the entire offense and maybe less so, like, just Alex. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some truth to that. And, you know, the entire Chiefs team kind of embodies that resiliency that they're such a second-half team this year. Sean, what have you seen that's made the difference in Alex Smith this year? Eight touchdowns, no picks. Like you say, he's been a little bit more of a uh, FU type guy when it came to just throwing the ball, releasing the ball. A lot of times last year, a guy would break open late and he would think about releasing it, but still pull it down. Now he's just, when he see you even, he know you're leaving, he's letting you go. He's um, running the ball a few more times to get first downs. But one thing I heard with you know Bill O'Brien saying, I mean, if anybody knows quarterbacks, I mean, he's he's looked at quarterbacks for the last four or five years. They kept trying to rotate and bring new ones in. So he's seen so much quarterback film. He's probably thanking God right now. <laughs> that he's finally found one. Right. Uh, but if he gives, you know, Alex that, that credit about being, you know, having perseverance, having to go through some things, his situation that happened in San Fran to be able to bounce back and can you just continue to stay with it, having a young quarterback brought in with everybody saying this is the future and still being able to go out there and just stay focused, laser focused and, and, and start off the season so hot and continue to be focused in your game plan and your preparation, never worrying about what's going to happen in 2018. 
I mean, that's a true pro, especially at that quarterback position. Now, of course, the Chiefs have Alex Smith, but they have the not-so-secret weapon anymore of Kareem Hunt. Andy Reid talked about Kareem Hunt this week being a complete player. I like what he's doing. Um, you're getting a complete back is what you get. It's just not the ball carrier. But, and that's the thing that's important to, to a coach. Uh, can, he, is, can he block and is he willing to block? Is he willing to get in the book and learn all the pass routes and how they situate with the run game and where it can help them, uh, the team either way? Um, how the blocking schemes work so you're not getting negative yards. And, um, and he does all of that. He, I mean, he's, uh, and, and he's got a good teacher. I, I don't want to slight uh, Eric Bannemey in this whole big picture of things, but that kid's willing to do the work. And you don't know that until you get him here, exactly what you're going to have. But he, uh, um, he, he's done all that and very good that way. Now, what's lost in this is that Sean Barber of the Arrowhead Pride podcast noticed Kareem Hunt blocking about three weeks ago. <laughs> yes, that is true. And if you're if you're playing for Andy Reid and you're on the field, you're going to have to pass block. I mean, that's that's like pretty much the way it is. So, well, I think it just shows. I mean, the kid is killing it as far as yardage and production, but the fact that you know in passing downs, he's still willing to to take it. A pretty good licking so the Chiefs can be successful. That's impressive in a rookie, isn't it, Sean? No, oh, definitely. Um, like It's not just that he knows who to block. It's that desire. And it's not a desire just to, like, uh, stalemate a guy. I mean, he wants to bury the guy. He wants to make sure his guy gets nowhere closer to the quarterback. You rarely find a starting running back in the NFL now that uh, blocks with that type of intensity. It's kind of interesting that, like, as the league goes to all passing, the Chiefs are, like, paying their offensive linemen, running the ball, leading the league in rushing. They're kind of like going the opposite way, but it works. Yeah, it's one of those leagues where you saw it with RG3 when all of a sudden that cow style, then the league, then the defense adjusts, mm-hmm. then now the offense adjusts. I think we're seeing, and, and someone had tweeted the other day, I can't remember who it is, but they said one of the underrated storylines this year is that Andy Reid has created a new offensive scheme. Joe Banner. Joe Banner. Here you go. It's true. I mean, and it, and it's something that, it seems like a lot of coaching staffs, at least defensive coordinators, have not seen before, and it's working every week. It's actually kind of genius. It looks you know, closer to a college game, and I think that extends all the way down to the offensive linemen, too, because offensive linemen coming out today are not dropping back on five, seven-step drops anymore. You know, like these spread offenses, the dude's coming back and, like, firing the ball off right away. So I think this type of offense can end up helping, you know, them acquire offensive linemen, too you know, running backs, like little receivers, like look at the Chiefs, you know, playmakers like Kareem Hunt and Tyreek and Dat, some of the smaller guys, and, and you I mean, thought, they're unique. You thought Tyreek Hill was going to fill in as a new number one receiver, but it really hasn't been that. It's almost as like there is no number one receiver. <laughs> he's, he's like the number one playmaker, yeah, you know? I mean, there, you, you can't even put like positions on it because like can't like you, you need to be able to assign some sort of value that Tyreek brings when he's like running in motion too and freezes two linebackers on that side of the field, opens something up for Kelsey. Like that's worth something too. JJ Watt actually talked this week on the motion plays. Yeah, that's what they pay us for. You know, that's part of what makes them so good is their ability to mix things up and have guys going all different directions and doing different things. Um, but like I said, that's also our job to, to understand and to watch the film and to practice it and have rep it every day. And we have a great coaching staff who prepares us. Um, so it's just a matter of every single day leading up to Sunday, making sure that we understand and, and have great knowledge of what they're doing so we can handle it and, and knowing what means something for real and what's just window dressing. All right, Jage. You're not, I mean, not going to handle it. <laughs> this guy. Listen, him raising money for the Houston Relief Fund was like the best 
and worst possible thing because yeah. I was such not a big JJ Watt fan. It was such a great thing that he did. It's made me try to like get a little bit closer to neutral, but I just can't get on JJ Watt ship. I can't do it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he made a good point there. It's it, it's something they know and it's something they're paid for. Like, yeah, the Chiefs are doing all these great things, but the coaching staff now has all that film. Sean, when you're on the field, like JJ Watt will be this week and you see all these motion plays, what's the key to not biting? Uh, the, the down four guys got to make a decision. Either you're going to respect the motion or you're going to after the passer. You can't get off the ball and get a great jump on a pass play and worry about Tyreek Hill going in motion. So what I've seen them do a lot of times is they flip-flop the safety. So who's ever guarding them on one side, whether it's a cornerback or safety, when he go in motion, that guy goes deep, and the guy from the deep half comes down. Now, there's a lot of things you can do to take advantage of that on offense. You can go halfway motion and go back. You can go halfway motion and go reverse to mess up the, the run gaps. Um, you actually do a jet sweep where you hand it off to them because the end is not going to be responsible for them if they're doing uh, motion on the back end. So there's a lot of things from a, from a, a schematic-wise, from an offensive uh, personnel and offensive uh, game plan, that you can take advantage of a team that, that where their ends and linebackers really try to ignore the motion. Now, I want to just get into one more point before we move on to the other side of the football. Travis Kelsey had a nice rebound game. What did you guys think was the difference on Monday night? Alex threw him the ball. That seems like a pretty good start. And when he did, uh, Kelsey caught it. So that's, you know, pretty good analysis right there. Maybe they just, you know, paid less attention to him. I'm not quite sure. Kelsey's just a playmaker. Eventually he's going to go off if you keep throwing it at him. I think he caught like seven of eight targets or something like that. So, I mean, the lesson here is you throw it to him. He usually catches it. Like, let's, let's, let's draw that up a few times a game. Right, Sean? I think the Redskins defense, they told us, I mean, from your video clips and the voice clips, they were going to highlight circle Kareem Hunt on every play. They wanted to try to make sure that he didn't get 100 yards, he didn't get a touchdown. They wanted to make sure he wasn't a difference maker. And the second you do that, you you become very uh, um, vulnerable to the Kelsey attack, to the Tyreek Hill attack, to uh, different players making plays when you're so focused on stopping Andy Reid's run attack. So you got to make your decision. Uh, you gotta, you know, then you got to kind of sleep in the bed you make. Sean, final word on this game. What's the number one key? for the Chiefs offense versus the Texans defense? In, anybody who isn't sold on Kareem Hunt, all you got to do, you got to find, it's, a, it's an interior run play where they give it to Kareem Hunt in the A-gap. And he makes the sickest left jump cut. And when he makes his left jump cut, the safety is a foot away from him about to tackle him. And then before he even touches the ground, he ballerinas like a, like a pirouette or something like that and jumps through the, <laughs> the, the safety's arms. And he gets untouched. It's two guys scot-free. He, he jump cuts, ballerina, whatever you want to call it, and takes off. I have rarely, almost never seen a, a person make those type of moves from a negative yard play and end up with positive four parts. That, that type of movement, those type of skill sets in a running back is, I mean, he's just proven to me over and over each week why he's the number one back in the in NFL right now. That's why he's the dream. It's his, it's, it was that like 20 yard run against the Redskins at the end of the game. He mm -hmm. just had this, like, if you slow it down, it doesn't look human. Like mm -hmm. it looks like a video game that he just like jumps in between the lanes, like so quickly and so effortlessly too. One final point I want to make is I think last year, and I've said this a few times, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast before, but last year we were so fascinated with how fast Tyreek Hill was. I think it's the same thing this year with Kareem Hunt, but it's more from a patience and cut standpoint, that like inhumane, never seen before skill. And it's crazy because Tyreek Hill, you understood, you understood why he dropped in the draft to the fifth round. People were scared to take him, and you know, there were good reasons for that. 
Kareem Hunt dropped to the third round, and, and there were no problems as far as off-the-field stuff with this guy. Number 86 in the NFL draft this year, so Chiefs are lucky to have him. I want to move on to the Houston offense versus the Chiefs defense. The Houston offense is run now by Deshaun Watson, who looked very, very good last week. Mahomes lovers, relax, he'll get a shot maybe in a year or two. But he's the reigning AFC Offensive Player of the Week, 25 for 34 for 283 yards, four touchdowns and one interception. Here was Andy Reid on Deshaun Watson this week. He's a great player. What he did at Clemson was what he we you know thought he would do here. So it's uh, I think he's a tremendous football player. He's got some good players uh, there around him, and, and he's utilizing them. And as good a player as he is, he's, he's even a better person. He's a great kid. So it, it was a real pleasure to, uh, to deal with when, uh, before the draft. Now, Sean, my eyes aren't as good as yours, and I know that. But I watched Watson last week, looks real good in the pocket and can sort of move the pocket as he needs and can rush for the first down when he can. Is, what, what do you think makes him so good when you watch Watson? I mean, he starts with his legs. Uh, yeah. He always gets himself and his body in position to make good throws. Um, I think he realizes that this is his first year, and the, the throws he's making are the safe throws, seven routes, out routes, stop routes. He's not really going down the field much. He's not going deep ball, deep ball, unless you blow a coverage. A lot of the um, – two of the uh, plays that went for over, like, 15 yards, but both this, the Titans actually just blew coverage. Yeah. People are wide open, so – um, you're not really finding him trying to um, like fine tune the ball down the you know down downfield deep. Outs like I said, outside the hashes, he's making his living out there. Does that care with the football sir remind you of Alex Smith a little bit? Like I said, I mean the the interceptions. It's hard to get interceptions outside the hash uh, unless you throw a ball late or um, you play a lot of man coverage, something like that. Um, usually the interceptions come over the over the middle, tip balls or safeties and linebackers. There's a lot more congestion in there. Quarterbacks have to be a lot more understanding of past concepts and zone reads and zone concepts to be willing and able to throw the ball over the middle. I don't see him doing that. I see him in, instead of doing that, they're letting him do quarterback draws, speed options, things to use his legs, which is probably his best asset right now. I don't. I don't think Deshaun Watson's legs are going to beat the Chiefs. I step back and look at the big picture. This is still a quarterback starting his like fourth game going against, you know, what I think is one of the better defenses in the league. So uh, if, you know, he gets out of the pocket and there's a little bit of chaos regularly, I'll, I'll say advantage chiefs. Not that I'm not worried. I just feel like we're, he's coming off that, you know, the Patriots game. And then, you know, last week they put up, what was it? 40 something points as well. I don't think they're a 40 plus point offense. So I think that they're riding a little high right now. I, I kind of like the Chiefs defense in this one. All right. And you know who else had some real complimentary words of the Chiefs defense? His quarterback's coach for the Texans, Sean Ryan, talked about that Bob Sutton defense this week. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a big-time challenge. I mean, he's you know there's going to be different fronts that he's going to be looking at. Uh, again, like I talk to you guys every week, to me, disguises and holding their looks and things like that are going to be a part of what every guy does to a rookie quarterback. I don't care what he played like the week before. That's going to be part of it. We know it. You know, it's kind of that, in some ways, a little bit of that Rex Ryan tree that shows up a little bit where you're, you know, you're getting some, some different types of pressures out of different personnel groupings. I mean, it's a, it's a big challenge. And like every week is in the NFL, but Bob Sutton's a very good coach, and uh, they're a well-coached defense with a lot of talent over there. It's going, to, it's going to take our best effort for sure. I noticed where I remember the name Sean Ryan from. 2009 Chiefs tight end Sean Ryan 
I don't, I don't, it's not the same guy, but, <laughs> but I was, I was literally like, Sean Ryan, why does that name sound familiar? It's one of Pioli's first players he signed back in the spring of 2009. Well, a little, little fun fact. Sean for you. Ryan, a very common name, you know, two first names. I'm always told not to trust a guy with two first names. Sean Ryan falls into that category. He had some nice, nice comments really about a tough Chiefs D to play. And, and you can tell they're really getting ready for this game. I mean, I mean, they understand what the Chiefs can do to you on defense and, They'll have their offense ready. Sean Ryan also had some words about Marcus Peters. He's a very good corner. He's got great ball skills, and, and he's a ball hawk is what he is. You know, he's constantly got his eyes, even in man coverage. Uh, you know, he's got a feel for where his man and his responsibility is, but his eyes are constantly on the quarterback. And if you're not careful and knowing exactly where he is at all times, he, he'll, he can ruin a game. He'll make plays on the ball, but he's a ball hawk for sure. Now we mentioned the controversy that surrounded Marcus Peters before. Does going on the road maybe help that a little bit? You can kind of get away from Kansas City for a second or two? I don't think he matters to Peters. He doesn't, I don't think yeah. he gets infected by the environment, the situation, the score, anything. I think he, I mean, he's on each play, he's just trying to dominate. He's trying to do whatever he can do to get that ball back. Like you said, uh, Sean said, he is a ball hawk, uh, almost to a detriment. Sometimes he abandons his own coverage in order to help somebody else. Well, that, that's one thing we've talked about before, and more so on the Tuesday show when we watch the film, is he's willing to leave his man to go for the pick. And obviously, these defenses are recognizing it. Yeah, the other offensive coordinators are definitely seeing that. And I mean, you can take advantage of it if, if you know when it's happening against certain coverages, maybe when safety's over the top, that he's doing that. You can give eyes shallow really quick and then throw one up and you know with a guy like d hop man you don't want to leave him one-on-one to safety too many times they'll absolutely stretch the field multiple times with hopkins like that's going to be the number one problem i'm sure entering this game and will fuller also returned recently that has now opened things up for hopkins i think that's part of the reason they had so many yards last week and and will fuller we've seen in games against the chiefs He's a pretty good yards last year against the Chiefs. He's a he's a pretty good player and can really almost in in Tyreek Hill fashion, not as fast as Hill, but almost in that fashion, has that speed and burst to really stretch the field. And if you open things up for DeAndre Hopkins, this is an elite wide receiver who's just never had a quarterback, and it's kind of in that Larry Fitzgerald category. It's been impressive the numbers he's been able to put up with Brian Hoyer. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's in the the uh, you know deep ball is one of the Chiefs' weaknesses at times. Like if the Texans think they're going to dink and dunk their way to scores against the Chiefs every time, like I don't think that's happening. Um, so I think if they're going to have some success, they absolutely you know have to get some of those deep balls to Fuller and Hopkins. I would be interested to see which uh, official crew is is, is going to be officiating this game because if they allow uh, D Hop to get away with those little pushes and shoves as a w- receiver, you can't guard him. If, if you let him push off at, so the, good. at the end of his routes at the top of stop routes. Um, I remember a few weeks ago against Dallas, he was just killing them with uh, stop routes because he was able to push off against Pac-Man, against different guys uh, with Cincinnati game and stuff. So um, he's one of the guys that really is really active. And if the, uh, if the referees aren't calling offensive pass interference, especially with how Peters reacts when he gets pushed, yeah. it, it could be a chemistry for a, uh, <laughs> another, another boy over. That's actually, that's actually a great point because that's what Peters got pissed at was prior pushing off at him. Good deal that Terrence Mitchell has been showing improvement, allowed just two receptions on five targets last game. According to PFF, this was a guy we were worried about. He's been showing improvement. Sean, I want to ask you about Rameek Wilson getting replaced by Reggie Ragland. What did you make of that? Uh, I mean, I like, I like Wilson. I think Wilson did a great job. Um, I'm, I mean, I guess what you're seeing is kind of like that LBC linebacker crew of 2018. I mean, uh, with DJ, you know, agent and, and kind of 
they're going to have to find out what's going to be the next page of the of the interior linebackers. And so giving Raglan a, a start or giving him some some serious time, whether he's in there with DJ or not, it's kind of giving them some 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 glimpses of what's left with the uh, linebacker crew if DJ does retire. Raglan traded to the Chiefs for a 2019 fourth rounder. What do you think of Raglan? Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he did find that position, you know, next to DJ. Strong side doesn't, you know, doesn't play every single snap, you know, like like DJ usually does. But, you know, I I think this is as simple as Ramik. Like, Ramik's deal is up after this year. They have Raglan through 2019. Like, Raglan's going to play more. Right. You know what I mean? they got to find out what he has. So even if it's just a, a spot game here or there, so they know what they got going into mm-hmm. 2018. But, I mean, they, they went through – how many inside linebackers the last couple of years. So uh, I say get as many of them ex- experience as possible. Lamar Miller, another player to watch. Sean, I'm going to give you the final word. What's the key here when it comes to the Chiefs defense? Oh, Miller time. <laughs> I think Lamar, I mean, personally, I don't really think he's an elite back. I think he's just an average back. Um, if you if you open big holes, he'll run through them. If you leave him uh, uncovered in the flat, he'll make somebody miss. But uh, he's nowhere on the level of a, of a, of a hunt or a um, – uh, Cook was, or any of these um, truly elite backs, Shady McCoy. He doesn't have that type of shake. Um, he's just a solid, hard, hard-nosed type guy. I'm, I'm a little bit more um, curious about Dante Foreman. I'm, I'm curious about when he gets a, a head of steam behind him, he's able to run over some linebackers, run over some safeties. I think he can kind of make the, the chains move. And I'm a little bit more worried about him than I am with Lamar Miller. All right. Well, there you go. We've talked about both sides of the football. When we come back, we'll make some predictions, read some of your tweets, and we'll close up shop as we get ready for Sunday Night Football. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. We're talking about the Chiefs and the Houston Texans playing this Sunday on Sunday Night Football. On the line, we have Seth Kaiser, and we're going to talk about predictions in just a second. But, Seth, you were here last week. How was the trip, my man? Oh, my goodness. It was so... Great. For one thing, I didn't get pulled over in Iowa, so that was new. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the entire experience was awesome. Arrowhead was just rocking. I have been telling everyone that will listen that I haven't ever heard the stadium get that loud, and that includes at the playoff game last year. That last third down, the place was shaking. It was great. <laughs> now, I saw a couple pictures of you in the uh, parking lot. Are you a Kansas City celebrity? Are you, do you have a little Hosmer going on right now? You know, it's been kind of funny. The last couple uh, trips that I've made to Arrowhead, I've had more than a few people recognize me and stop me, which has been an unusual experience for me. Like, as, as my sister and I were walking out of the game, I had multiple people like, hey, you're Seth Kaiser. And I'm like, yes, I am. I don't really know how to respond to that. <laughs> well, Seth, all, all you do is you uh, pull out that 8x10 that you carry with you and a little Sharpie. You sign it for them and send them on their way. I, I mean, now the fame order of the podcast is obviously, one, former player in Sean Barber, two, Seth Kaiser, three, the blog father, and four, I mean, old Chiefs reporter. Who, who cares about that? I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up the rear as far as fame right now. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I write a lot of things that are very homeristic, and people like that, so... I, I just got to keep writing nice things as far as I can tell. But people were great. Someone gave me an Eric Berry jersey. Wow. Um, a bunch of people gave me free food. Mike that you met at lunch, he paid for me and my sister's lunch at Oklahoma Joe's. It was fantastic. I need to move to Kansas City for the celebrity treatment alone. Yeah, I heard actually someone gave Eric Berry a uh, Seth Kaiser signed uh, film review uh, as oh, he was he, walking in the other day. Oh, well, he cried, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> All right, well, here we go. We're going to get into some predictions. 
Right now, we are getting into predictions for Sunday night football, 7.30 p.m. Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels on the call. Sean, I'll start with you. As always, what do you see in this game? Well, you know my prediction is always very uh, detailed. So uh, I, I got the, you know, I got the, um, the Chiefs kind of struggling out the gate. I got the Texans coming home feeling around for big game, uh, moving the ball between the 20s, um, gaining a lot of yardage. But now once it gets into that 10-yard line, our defense stiffens up, holds them to field goals. First half, they might be up 12 to 3. Um, and then uh, second half, we make our adjustments, just like the Chiefs always do. Uh, same old song, come back in the second half. I got the final score. The, the Chiefs winning on a late field goal, 20 to 19. I always love the detail in the Sean Barber prediction. Joel? Yeah, I agree with Sean that it's going to be similar to the past few weeks where maybe the Chiefs start out a little bit slower and come back and show that they're a second half team. I am I am worried about uh, the Texans front and you know how much time Alex is going to have. I think it's a field goal game, 16-13 Chiefs. All right, I hate to do this, but for the first time since week 1, I'm going to go against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Texans they're rolling right now on offense. I like their defense against really a battered offensive line for the Chiefs. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go with Texans 28, Chiefs 24. Seth? I can't believe you picked the Texans. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I, I would just say I, I'm in a similar boat to what I was in last week when I wasn't sure if the Redskins were actually a decent team. Turned out they were a pretty good team. So I don't want to underestimate Houston the way I did Washington. But at the same time, They've got a really impressive win over a Titans team that didn't have Marcus Mariota, and then they barely beat the Bengals. Other than that, they've lost. I'm just, again, this is a team they haven't played in primetime yet this year. Not that Deshaun Watson, will, you know, he's not going to shrink under the lights. But this isn't a team that's gone like, up against nearly the caliber of competition the Chiefs have gone up against. I think that's going to make a difference. I also think it makes a difference that this is the Chiefs' third game in primetime this year and the Texans' first. So I think you're going to see the Texans come out high, overhyped against their, in front of their home crowd, kind of like what the Chiefs did against the Redskins. And I'll just they'll be so overhyped you're going to see a little lack of execution. I think the Chiefs jump to an early lead, and I think they don't look back. And they win not by a huge margin, but I'm going to say they win by a touchdown, so 27-20. Well, there you go. Three out of four of us picking the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. All right, Seth, just want to thank you for coming on the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Any final words of advice for us today as you know, we tackle the Kansas City gloomy weather, it looks like? <laughs> final words of advice. Well, you know, look both ways before you cross the street and make good choices. <laughs> um, always hire a lawyer and admit nothing, deny everything. There, that should cover most of it, right? Oh, thank you. I mean, listen, that, that's as good advice as we're going to get on this podcast. All right, Seth, take care. Yep, take care, guys. Here we go. We got some tweets. We'll, we just talk about them quick, and then we'll uh, shut down shop here of the Arrowhead Pride podcast. This one from Ray Gilfoyle at Roto Ray LAD. Why does Smith throw a pass to Mahomes before they start every new series or timeout? I like to think it's the new Alex just showing Mahomes who's boss, but uh, what do you think, Sean? I just keep the arm loose, man. You know, you like to uh, – some things, they work out, placement of the ball. Um, every, every pass is, isn't just a rocket. Uh, right down the middle. Sometimes you want to lead the guy to the left, lead him to the right. Um, you call a little play, thinking your mind how it's going to come out, and then you, you kind of envision how the defense is going to react to that play. So it's probably a little bit more to it than just warming up. A little bit of visualizing. A lot of visualizing.
All right, this one from Gene Pendakuski at Gene Pendak. All right, Jill, you can answer this one. I, I know you've noticed this. How do we consistently allow so many yards per game but so few points? It's been like this for years, the bend but don't break red zone defense. Yeah, it's the, the red zone, uh, but also the turnovers. It seems like the Chiefs always get the, the most opportunistic uh, turnovers like at the you know at either end of the field. So it's, it's got to be something like that, and that they're a little vo- uh, vulnerable to the deep ball. I think it's because, I mean, our defense is a very vanilla defense. We don't try to sugarcoat or hide anything. I mean, we line up and just play ball. Once you get the ball, we try to separate you from the ball, and we try to make plays. But they don't try to do a lot of things to, 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 to trick you. or to, So if you can get a yard, three yards, uh, we're hoping that every you know, couple downs we can get a sack and put you behind the chains and then play, play really good on third down. But if you're willing just to take, take three or four yards every, every down, you're going to move the ball against the Chiefs. It's just when you get to that red zone, everything gets so compact. And now we, you know we're in man. We know we're taking away the slants. We're taking away everything that you're used to doing. And now you've got to go try to make a play. And usually we either, like you say, intercept it, make a turnover, or we force you to get a field goal. The motto of the Bob Sutton defense since 2013 has been they're not in till they're in. They follow along with that. This one from Michael Reed at Dante Hicks. How do you feel about WWE bringing back the old WCW pay-per-views and their famous matches too? I mean, I like it. Anytime you could remember the Great American Bash where Hulk Hogan turns his back on yeah. WCW, you do it. Uh, this one from Grant Lambert, G. Lambert, 3324. More sustainable start, Hunt or Smith. Both seem to be headed for some kind of regression. Grant, get that negativity out of here. <laughs> uh, Smith is pretty sustainable, I think. His yardage is not that crazy. Eight touchdowns, two a game is in 2017. That's not an outrageous amount. There's no way that Kareem Hunt's getting you know, 2,700 yards from scrimmage this year. I'll say that. I agree. And the tendency for Smith not to throw picks, that's nothing new. I mean, as much as I want to say the new Alex Smith, he doesn't throw picks every year. Well, when somebody says, uh, from fantasy, if you're saying who you're going to start, Hunt or Smith, if Smith is your starting quarterback, you probably – it's a lot of options ahead of him. But Hunt is the number one running back in fantasy football, so you'll be a fool not to start him. Well, here's the thing from Jordan Tribe at Jordan Tribe. Smith and Hunt, front runners for MVP, who's the head? Man, I mean, this is like asking me to pick between my two sons. You know, who's ahead? I mean, they're both great. I, I'm going to go co-MVP. I would go with Kareem. I think you have a tendency to always pick the quarterback for MVP, the quarterback of the best team for MVP, but Kareem's uh, performance has I mean, know, he, I mean, just changed the defense. Definitely 100%. If you were giving an MVP off of, off of four games, it's Kareem Hunt, right? I mean, you go to like USA Today. So I was talking to a USA Today re- reporter at the game, and they had Alex Smith atop their MVP tracker. I'm telling you, the quarterback of the best team, it's like the Heisman. That's just, it's just like you just check <laughs> off a box, and that guy gets the MVP. All right, this from one from Stacy Strickland at Crash121SS. Have a hard time getting off the toilet after leg day. Advice. Hard for me to help you with that. I mean, listen. I, I, let's, let's flip this one to Sean. <laughs> Sean, I, I feel like you do legs more than Joel and I. Go ahead. Go have some uh, core water, some life water, life essential. What, all, all those waters with the pH balance and electrolytes, amino acids added to it. All those things that help that cramping and help that soreness go away. And after leg day, stretch. No one stretches after leg day. All right, Michael Delaney, at J. Michael Delaney, what player is best equipped to spy on Watson if you think it's necessary? Is it Dirty Dan? Sean, I'll, ask, I'll go to you on this You know one. that's my guy. You know that's my guy. Is he equipped to spy on Watson? He's equipped. I told you he was the fastest. I, I go back to that preseason game when he ran past everybody on the running back that broke down the sideline. He's one of the fastest uh, safeties on the field. When you talk about on the field speed, he runs. he's an amazing safety. He has great knowledge of the sport. 
he'll uh, change direction. I love Dirty Dan for everything. That's my guy. DJ. I think I think DJ's uh, he's getting up there a little bit. He's obviously gotten a little bit slower uh, this year, but I still think DJ can. can I feel like DJ's eyes have been a little bit behind this year. What do you think, Sean? That is, uh, it's just it's slower. It's a little slower. You're yeah. react. A little slower to react. The spy has to be fast enough to catch the guy. So let's not. <laughs> right. True. <laughs> and, uh, and no, you spying him and being gonna catch him. So we gotta have somebody that is you know. Uh, Sean Barber's crush on Dirty Dan, Dirty Dan. continues. Yes. Two more. This one from Andrew Lone Star one one three eight. Saw that Tyreek signed with a new agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Want to talk about his upcoming contract? Likely likelihood Casey resigns him. Great move for money, right? This is the guy that's going to get you paid. Hey man, I saw I saw Drew on the sideline. I went and introduced myself to him. Told him, hey man, I'm friends with Kennard Lang, one of his <laughs> old clients from back in the Redskins day. He said, I remembered you, man. We got in the limo together. I remember going to Roof Crit. He has an awesome memory. Any agent that can remember me from over twenty years ago, that's my guy, Drew. That's, how do I compete with an answer like that? Like, oh, yeah, Drew, yeah, years ago we were hanging out in the limo. I would like to drop names like that. I can't. I, I think it's a good move for Tyreek. I think he deserves to get paid uh, when his contract is up, and, and Drew will help you do that, right? But for real, the question everybody's wondering, is he going to get a new contract like this year? No, he can't until after 2018. Right. So there's nothing to worry about. The yet. cap-wise, they can do yet. Right. Last uh, tweet, this one coming from at Severin58, at Severin58, is Joel Nice. I'm going to go with, you know, usually there's sometimes when, I, you know, I just don't want to deal with Joel. Sean, how do you, how do you feel about this? This Joel right here? <laughs> oh, after the game, I get to see him at the, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a club now, right? As you're leaving, this, um, in the, leaving club. the field. Yeah. So it's a club and the players leaving the field. Me and Joel, we go over and have a little pretzels some candy a couple of mixed drinks we have a we have a ball in the club that's oh, what i was like we really need to get one of these fans to have a beer waiting for us down there after the we game can facetime live from yeah. the club yeah you know what? we do have to organize that somehow get a folding table and through security we'll set it up it'll be great i'm sure brad g will love that yeah get get season <laughs> tickets and then we'll go sit in that club down there that yeah. looks pretty nice all right well that does it this has been the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. We covered what's going to happen this Sunday night football game between your undefeated Kansas City Chiefs taking on a good Houston Texans team. Should happen down in Texas. He's Sean Barber, the player. We got the block father, Joel Thorman. For both of them, my name is Pete Sweeney. This has been the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. And you know what happened? I'm finna get loaded. <laughs> Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>